0: you can save 15 percent or more at amazon when you pay with bitcoin or bitcoin cash just go to purse.bogosity.tv you can set your own discount five percent gets you fastest delivery or you can set it to 30 percent or more if you're not in a hurry purse makes it so easy to save money at amazon by buying with crypto just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of November tenth, twenty nineteen. The podcast that put new blossoms in the glass and threw the old away. This is your host Shane Killian. Let's read this in fragment: the news of the bogus. So our first story hasn't actually come into effect yet. That won't be until January first. But it's already being called the YouTube Copocalypse, and it doesn't look good. COPPA is the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act of 1998, and it basically says that websites can't collect personal information from kids under 13 without their parents' permission. There are some other requirements, but that's the basic gist of it. In 2013, COPPA was amended to include creators on ad-assisted platforms such as YouTube. Since then, this amendment was never enforced against actual YouTube channel operators because they don't get any of the personal information of children anyway. But that is now changing. In the $170 million settlement between YouTube and the FTC, they actually place requirements on YouTube channel owners. For example, pages 10 and 11 of the ruling read in part, Such system shall include a clear and conspicuous notice that content made available on the YouTube service that is directed to children may be subject to the children's online privacy protection rule, and that channel owners are obligated to designate such content as directed to children. Now, this would make sense if the only obligation was for channel owners making videos directed at children to check the box and everyone else was fine. But no. Everyone is obligated to say whether or not their content is for children, and they have to do this not just for new videos, but all of their uploads. By the way, videos marked as kid-directed, whether by the user or by a YouTube algorithm, will also have comments disabled. Also, it's not entirely clear what kid-directed means. It's entirely up to the FTC to make up whatever they want to at the time, and it not only includes things like purposefully directing the content of children or including child actors, it also includes, per page 9, quote, use of animated characters. So what, will Lord Killian videos count? Even though there's nothing in them that's directed at children and no child is gonna want to sit through some big discussion of political philosophy and deontological ethics, even if it is being presented by a cartoon skeleton with a funny voice? The FTC seems to still be laboring under the myth that if it's animated, it must be for kids. Even though Heavy Metal and Fritz the Cat must have gotten past them back in the 70s somehow, how could they possibly have missed South Park and Rick and Morty? Also, check out this requirement, QUOTE, "...whether advertising, promoting, or appearing on the website or online service is directed to children." But YouTube channel owners have no control over what ads appear on our videos! So there's all sorts of restrictions based on ignorant and vague notions of what is kid-directed, as well as things the channel owner has no control over! If you get this wrong, and you think your videos aren't kid-directed, but whatever system YouTube puts in place to comply with this ruling thinks it is, then as of January 1st, your videos will be demonetized and have comments disabled. Not only that, but not marking a video the FTC considers to be kid-directed could result in a fine of over $42,000 per video. Three such videos and they've got your house. Why is the FTC bringing us creators into this? We don't get any information from any of our viewers, let alone those under 13. We don't have any say over what ads run. So how do personalized ads running on our channel pose a privacy risk to kids? What's really stupid about this is that YouTube already has the free YouTube Kids app, which never runs targeted advertising. Every parent has this choice. It's not up to the FTC to raise your kids for you. By the way, Disney, Nickelodeon, all of them, they do targeted advertising at kids. Is the FTC going to go after them? Somehow, I think not. Without personalized ads, a YouTube channel's revenue might be cut as much as 90%. A creator whose channel pays the bills might have its revenue cut to the point where it isn't worth doing the channel at all. In the story I'm linking to, there are links at the bottom both to a Change.org petition and to where you can make a comment to the FTC. Whether you're a creator or just a viewer, making your voice heard could make the difference to your favorite YouTube channel. Or you could vote with your feet, whether you're a viewer or a creator. BitTubers.com is looking nicer as time goes on. are annoying but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money what if you could support your favorite websites youtube creators twitch streamers social accounts and many more ad free and without paying anything and even make some money yourself it's not a pipe dream it's Airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension, and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon and donate at any level. Pen testing, or penetration testing, is an aspect of both cybersecurity and real-world security that's becoming more and more important, especially in an age when those two worlds seem to be merging. Very much like what's depicted in the movie Sneakers, modern pen testers don't just sit at a computer with Kali Linux installed on it and hack in, but they also interface with real-world barriers such as door locks and card readers. So the judiciary of the state of Iowa hired Coal Fire Security to perform physical security assessments—in other words, pen tests—at various locations. They were told to do whatever they could to gain access to documents, internal systems, and areas closed off to the public. One of these areas was the Dallas County Courthouse, where apparently they were successful, but not successful enough as the two men were arrested and charged with third-degree burglary and possession of burglary tools, despite having documentation on their persons showing they had authorization from the state. They were placed in jail on $500,000 bond, despite the fact that the Iowa Judicial Branch has officially confirmed that this was part of the pen testing they were hired to do. Hey, remember when there used to be this thing in Justice called Men's rea? The fact that they had the contracts on their person should have been enough to let them go, and in fact the deputies on the site were prepared to do so. But Dallas County Sheriff Chad Leonard apparently decided the two were to be made an example of. According to Coal Fire CEO Tom McAndrew, quote, the team was ready to leave after one of the deputies returned the authorization letter to them and stated, You guys should all be good to go. It was at that point that the local sheriff, Chad Leonard, arrived at the Dallas courthouse. Despite the authorization letter, his deputies on site already having verified our team, and state employees urging their release, the local sheriff proceeded to arrest Mr. Wynn and Mr. De Mercurio. Failing to de-escalate the issue and bring in state county politics, Sheriff Leonard added that a state employee asked him not to tell other sheriffs about the incident to ensure the operation continued at other locations, but that he was going to tell every sheriff. I don't know why he reacted the way he did. I've never met or spoken to Sheriff Leonard. Perhaps he didn't like being tested without his knowledge or that our team found major security concerns to the facilities he was protecting. Sheriff Leonard failed to exercise common sense and good judgment and turned this engagement into a political battle between the state and the county. I was stunned that the next morning the issues were not resolved and were actually amplified." Sheriff Leonard tried to make lame excuses, quote, "...I advised them that this building belonged to the taxpayers of Dallas County, and the state had no authority to authorize a break-in of this building." But all city and county authorities in the U.S. operate under the jurisdiction of their state and are under their state's authority. As sheriff, he should know this. Prosecutors have at least dropped the felony charges, but the fact that they're proceeding with misdemeanor trespassing is laughable. This kind of pen testing is incredibly important. Coal Fire's CEO wants to know quote, If what is happening in Iowa begins to happen elsewhere, who will keep those who are supposed to protect citizens honest? This is setting a horrible precedent for the millions of information security professionals who are now wondering if they too may find themselves in jail as criminals simply for doing their job. I believe that citizens of Iowa would benefit from using their resources to fix vulnerabilities, protect their data, and secure their public buildings, rather than waste time and taxpayer money on this criminal pursuit." The problem is, this is already happening elsewhere. We talked about the oppression of malware bytes. There are numerous cases of pen testers being threatened by corporations, and we've seen several cases of state governments threatening pen testers who find problems with their voting machines. And pretty much any of them will have a story about how they spent a night in jail at one point. Sheriff Leonard is one more case of one more dupe who doesn't want to look bad. Hey, Leonard, you are looking bad! The way not to look bad is to say, "Hey." Thanks for finding those problems with our security systems. Now we can fix them and make sure we're protected from real criminals. You didn't do that. Even though protecting people from criminals is your job. If you're on the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? So for years, we've been covering Sweden's prosecution of the Pirate Bay, starting with their December raid of the website's data center back in 2014. The goal was to hold the site admins responsible, particularly Frederick Ney. But that's not going to happen now because this investigation took so much time that the statute of limitations just ran out and the investigation is now closed. So there aren't going to be any criminal convictions, but they did previously win the legal battle over the domain name ThePirateBay.se, which went all the way to the Swedish Supreme Court, who said that the domain name should be forfeited to the state. Which means that Swedish taxpayers continue to pay for the domain name. Nicely done. Ney commented, now that the investigation is closed, I'm looking forward to being compensated for them unnecessarily holding all my computer equipment for four years and ten months. Hmm, civil suit forthcoming? I wonder what condition the equipment will be in when he finally gets it back. Will it be ruined as it was for Kim.com? Maybe this is a tactic just to harass them and make their lives terrible and just wait for the statute of limitations to run out. Then you don't have to prove anything. And now it's time to dealginate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to Comcast and a number of other ISPs who joined together in lying to Congress about something we've talked about: DNS over HTTPS, or DOH. This is a means of finally, at long last, encrypting the DNS entries that are crucial to our everyday activities online. We're talking about not only protecting those from prying eyes, discovering everywhere you go online, but from very serious phishing and malware techniques as well. The main driving forces behind this new standard are Mozilla, Google, and Cloudflare, and there's been immense pushback from nation-states who want to spy on and control everyone's online activities, and ISPs who want to collect and sell user data to third parties or inject their own ads into the sites people visit. Well, Mozilla is pushing back on their pushback. They posted an open letter to Congress urging them not to fall for what they call factual inaccuracies, in other words, lies, in their claims about DOH. In their letter, they referenced numerous sources showing ISPs selling customer data to third parties without their consent, including one case where Cox was selling GPS data and also ISPs injecting advertisements and even setting super cookies to track user activity that could not be deleted or circumvented. They also referenced the letter industry associations operating on behalf of these ISPs sent to Congress and their factual inaccuracies. They pointed to an Ars Technica article, which pretty much takes the letter apart point by point, but the main takeaway is that the accusation of the ISPs is that Google will be switching millions of people over to its own DNS servers, giving control to them, and centralizing the service. This is an outright lie. Google has been very clear about its plans. Chrome will look at the user's current DNS provider, be it their ISP or one they've specifically selected like OpenDNS, and it checks to see if that provider supports DOH. If it does, it switches over to encrypted DNS. If not, it leaves things as they are. Nowhere are they moving users from a different provider to Google's DOH. The only way they do that is if the user had already selected Google for their DNS provider. According to Marshall Irwin, Mozilla's Senior Director of Trust and Security, who authored Mozilla's letter, the complaint is, quote, Premised on a plan that doesn't exist. The focus of the lobbying effort has been on using Google as a boogeyman, given a lot of the antitrust concerns that exist today to drive a lot of uncertainty about the potential implications of DNS over HTTPS. Mozilla is being a bit more aggressive with it, gradually switching all of their users over to DOH, regardless of whether their existing provider supports it. At the moment, they're just using Cloudflare, although you can always put your own choice in manually, but they plan to add others. If you're worried about that, just read Mozilla's page on Firefox DNS over HTTPS, quote, Mozilla has a strong trusted recursive resolver policy in place that forbids Cloudflare or any other DOH partner from collecting personal identifying information. To mitigate that risk, our partners are contractually bound to adhere to this policy. There's also the complaint that this will foil the custom DNS efforts and firewalls of enterprises, but this is a load of crap. First of all, it's the job of IT departments to understand what settings are in browsers that they might need to turn on and off. Second, Mozilla has a page explaining to IT departments and even ISPs offering parental control services how they can make sure that their own DNS is being used, for example, by checking certain Canary domains. Interestingly, I did see that Comcast has set up an experimental DOH server, so maybe they're starting to see which way the wind's blowing. There just isn't a concern for the public here. If anything, the concern will be leaving things as they are and allow malware, phishing attacks, and ransomware the ability to continue to run rampant. So, all of that makes these ISPs this week's Biggest Bogun Emitter. Do you have children, or nieces, or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? And now, let's emulsify this week's Idiot, Idiot Extraordinaire! I don't have a name for this stupid homophobic woman, because the names have been redacted to protect the idiotic. Probably for the best, don't care anyway. It's enough to be reminded that there are still people like her around. I'm just gonna read out her Facebook comments. F. The Doctors of Hospital Name Redacted. Some of you know, but for those who don't, my mom needs a knee transplant. Okay, here's the first problem. There is no such thing as a knee transplant. She's getting a knee replacement, which replaces her body's knee, which isn't working right, with orthopedic hardware made of metal and plastic, which duplicates the working of the weight-bearing surfaces of the knee joint. Risks are low, and rehabilitation often isn't more than five days, although physical therapy may be recommended for a certain time after. Now, I hear you say, Shane, that's just a tiny mistake, so she chose the wrong word. Or even if she does think it's a transplant, it's not that big a mistake, is it? I'll just read on. She's been using a cane, K-A-I-N, she's not winning any spelling bees, for two years now and had a fall in September at McDonald's while ordering her breakfast. We rushed her to the doctor, who had her knee x-rayed, and, with tears in his eyes, informed us she needed a knee transplant. Uh, with tears in his eyes? Like this is the worst news he's ever had to give a patient? You need a new knee in a relatively simple, risk-free procedure? What would this doctor do if he had to tell him she had three weeks to live or something? Sheesh, get a hold of your emotions, Doc! Anyway, reading on. This serious surgery, this is not that serious, has cut to the core of our family and we can't see this family moving forward without her. Uh, she's getting a new knee. She won't even have to go on immunosuppressants or anything. Take it from a guy with orthopedic hardware and multiple limbs. It's not that big a deal. She'll have pain to manage and she'll need your support, but cut to the core of your family? Seriously? Drama queen much? But, let's get to the really good part. We told the doctor that under no situation would we allow the knee of a gay, trans-homo, or lesbian to be put into mom's body. I am not making this up. And this is not satire. It's not on The Onion, it's not on Babylon B. it's been verified by multiple people. Alright, where to start? First of all, as I covered... It's not a transplant, it's an artificial limb replacement. But let's say for the sake of the argument that it were a transplant. How is a transplanted body part supposed to make you gay? If someone gets a liver transplant from a gay guy, does he start wearing matching colors and going to drag shows? If this mom needed a kidney transplant and got one from a lesbian, would she start wearing sensible shoes and calling herself Gillette? Actually, for all I know, her name might actually be Gillette, in which case I'll be really embarrassed. If things DID work that way and she got a transplant from a gay man, which way would it work? Would she get the homosexual part and be a lesbian? Or would she get the attracted to men part and remain heterosexual? Assuming she IS heterosexual and not a closet lesbian, which would be embarrassing for everybody. And WHAT THE FRICK AND FRACK IS TRANS HOMO, ANYWAY? So to continue, yes there's more. Do you know what the doctor did? He laughed. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe because it's funny as hell? I mean, what's she worried about? That her mom will be trying to walk to church on Sunday and her new knee will be trying to take her to the female-only yoga club? Quote. He told us there was no way they could ever discriminate between sexual likes when it came to using body parts. I don't know. Maybe they could select a donor knee that's the most fabulous! And then, quote, Then he lied to us and told us they would use an artificial part. Yo, moron, that's the only kind of knee replacements there are. How would you transplant a knee anyway? I mean, it's a joint. It's the space between two bones. A knee replacement puts a new end on the tibia and the femur and gives you a completely new cap. You could transplant the cap, I guess. I don't know what the point would be, but what about the rest? BUT WAIT, THERE'S MORE! We have declined the surgery. We cannot risk Mom getting a body part from a gay lesbian. One from a straight lesbian would have been fine. We are Sea King, Sea King, S-E-A-K-I-N-G, out the opinion of several doctors, who will also laugh at you, and the advice of our priest, who might at least get a small chuckle. What has this world come to? You took the words right out of my mouth, sister. This is one of the ways trans homo and homosexuals are spreading. We will not be subject to this. If anyone knows a doctor in, redacted, county, please let us know so he can have a good laugh, too. The redacted post made it over to Reddit by a son of a friend of the mom who said, This lady is someone she knows through an organization that they both volunteer at. This lady is a completely devout Christian, lives her life by the Bible, never wears pants, only skirts, etc. It's a little out there, but whatever, as long as she's not hurting anyone else, right? Except, all our ridicule notwithstanding, she is hurting someone else. She's hurting her poor mother, who can't walk properly and is probably in a great deal of pain, by refusing beneficial and low-risk surgery. Hopefully, this stupid woman will be embarrassed into changing her mind, and this surgery will be merely delayed instead of denied, which is bad enough. We can at least do our part by naming her this week's... Idiot, Idiot. Next 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 Well, that wraps up this There's Someone in My Head, But It's Not Me, edition of Bogosity Podcast. Come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please go to donate.bogosity.tv where you can give using PayPal or crypto, or subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. You can even support this podcast for free with the airtime extension. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Terry Goodkind. People are stupid. Given proper motivation, almost anyone will believe almost anything. The Bugosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license. Christmas time is coming, and the most classic of Christmas stories is A Christmas Carol. But how much do you know about the original Charles Dickens novella? Have you dismissed it as a children's book with one-dimensional characters amounting to nothing but platitudes and cliches? Maybe your appreciation of the book was even muted by those dry, boring, annotated books they made you read in school. My book, the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, uses both facts and humor to present the book in a way you probably haven't seen it before. Giving praise when deserved and beratement when warranted, this book is put in the perspective of its time and shows a dimensional, multi-layered Ebenezer Scrooge from start to finish. Skepticism, history, and even economics are employed to show the book in relation to today, in an easily accessible format. Appreciate the Christmas of your youth all over again, Get the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, available at Amazon and on PDF as well.